You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. It really is good to be with you again this glorious Sunday morning as we finish off the third part in the mini-series Spiritual Fathering and Mothering. Just to recap, we, we can't move forward if we are orphans. And to move forward, we need to ensure that we are neither rebellious nor religious orphans, which is what I shared a bit about last week. Sharing and speaking from the, the story that Jesus tells us about what people often call the parable of the lost son. But really, it is a parable about a father and two sons, two sons who are both orphans. One son was an orphan to rebellion when he, he ran away to squander his inheritance. And the other son who was an orphan to religion, where he didn't realize what he had and didn't live in the identity of being a son in his father's house. I'm encouraging us that we, we need to build environments in our homes and our workplace, in our streets, where sons and daughters are named long before they come back to God. Because home may not equal gatherings, but home will always equal relationships. Home will always have fathers and mothers. And I rem- want to remind us that in this context, I'm not just talking about the, the fathers and mothers in a home, but the spiritual mothers and fathers that we need to take care and to nurture and to bring our communities and our cities and our nations into the promises and purposes that God has for us as communities, as cities, as a nation. And never has this been more important than it is now. Now more than ever, we need to equip and to empower so that believers know that wherever they are, they create an atmosphere and an environment for people to come home long before people come to church. No longer can we lead with the mindset that God revolves around the church. The church revolves around God. But there are generations who are asking the church, will you love me before you need me? Because a church, like it enough, often has an agenda. The church is often waiting for people to come home, people to come to a program more than to come to Jesus. And for some sons and daughters, the greatest encounters that they will have will not be in a church gathering I'm so encouraged when I speak to people like Jeff and Ash, where their friendships and the environments they create around their social gatherings, around their bras and around their tables is one of kingdom and engaging with people without them even realizing it's being able to call people by name without an agenda. The future of the church will not gather around stages but we'll gather around tables. There's far too much confusion and polarization in the structured church today. And when I talk about the structured church, I include the charismatic church or the non-denominational like ourselves, where there is a polarization and confusion that overrides the relational foundation of kingdom. There are too many people who avoid church because they don't want to be guilty by association. And more and more, I get that. 
I'd like to, in a way for more and more people not to want to be associated with a religious spirit above all else. I've been saying for years that the mandate of the church is to love God's people and not to change them. Yet too often as believers, we want to change them and hope that God will love them. I believe that in the season of COVID, real life church has been redefined and we are being recalibrated to become more of a people of kingdom than a people of church. That we love people in their mess, that we love people in their shame, that we love people and that we love them enough to earn the right to be able to call them out of their pits and into their promise, their purpose and their destiny. For me, it is so heartbreaking to watch someone throw away their life. And my greatest passion has been to invest in people, to invest in leaders, to invest and see people come into the fullness of all that God has created them to be. And I do find it tremendously heartbreaking when I see people run away from the Father's house out of rebellion or hurt and become spiritual orphans. But my commitment is to pray for them and to encourage them and to remember that God calls them by name more than I have a need for them. Sons and daughters do not need spiritual fathers and mothers to shame them because of what they've done wrong. But we need spiritual fathers and mothers to love them and show them what they're doing right. To love them because of their identity. John Hutcher, you share so much of this. It is your passion. It's it's what what you live and breathe is identity. And I'm just so encouraged by the the lessons that I've learned through and from you. So we're not just learning how to embrace them when they come home. We're learning to embrace God's people when they become undone. I become bothered and frustrated by how many people prophesy in church but don't prophesy at home. I'm bothered by how many people pray in church but don't pray in the street. I'm bothered by how much fellowship takes place on a Sunday and how little it takes place during the course of the week. And even in this crazy season of lockdown and COVID, how our relational interaction is diminished because we're not meeting in a building and around a stage, a pulpit or a platform. I'm bothered that we expect God's presence on a Sunday, but we don't expect his presence at pick and pay. Many of you will know that I have the, developed the opportunity and the, and the, 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 the right to be able to go into our, our local supermarket and, and use their public address system and to be able to pray for the staff over the PA system at our local pick and pay. And on many an occasion during this past couple of weeks, I've encouraged the patrons and the customers in pick and pay to take a moment and applause and thank the staff that work there, our local front line. And during the past week, I had a, a teller called Pretty who was saying to me, Pastor Stuart, you don't realize how important that has been to us. Because when we go home and things are not going well, or even in the store where we are battling and frustrated because of the things surrounded with COVID, we hang on to things that you say over the public address system because we know that there are people who love us. We know that people who support us. We know that there are people who bring the presence of God into pick and pay. 
But friends, let's not be weird about this. Let's not take some of our church rituals to work. Let's not take some of the weird things we do to the gym. Let's not take some of the weird church rituals to the table. You know, if you're in pick and pay, specifically if you're at the butchery section, the last thing you should do is pray for the blood of Jesus to be able to manifest over people. I hear too many people asking for revival in the church. But friends, I would rather see revival in the home. I would rather see a revival of mothers and fathers. It's taking the responsibility, it's taking the personal responsibility to own what and who God has entrusted to us. But it's not just a church thing, and it's not just a home thing. It's a cultural thing. It's a kingdom culture where God is raising fathers and mothers in business. God is raising fathers and mothers in fashion. God wants fathers and mothers as both barristers and baristas. And there's my plug for Smith Coffee in Bethlehem. Fathers and mothers on the sports field. Because transformation will not come through programs. Transformation will come through presence. Transformation will not even come through power. But it will come through empowerment. Transformation will not come through strategies. Transformation will come through sons and daughters. Because there is a move of God that is happening. And it's not a move that is happening just in the church. There is a move of God that is happening of the church and through the church, creating an environment and a culture for both King and his kingdom. We need to be breathing the DNA of God into politics, into business, into schools, into the car park and the sports field. But too often we spend so much of our time breathing the DNA of God into a church where the church should really have the DNA of God already. The dream of God's family. So the dream of God is family on earth as it is in heaven. Mothers and fathers who fight fearlessly for sons and daughters. Ali and I were chatting during the past week and she was saying to the kids that she will be mother bear and fight tooth and nail for her children, regardless of anything. And nobody dare come against her, her children. And I got a bit nervous and asked her that I was included in that. And she thankfully agreed. But the reality is, are we fighting fearlessly tooth and nail for our spiritual sons and our spiritual daughters as well? God is calling spiritual fathers and mothers to fight fearlessly for this next generation. God's dream family always begins with the father. It begins with an encounter with the father. And we can talk so much more about this. I want to focus on one of the strongest mandates of this house, of this community, of this family, real life church. Most of our prophetic words are not about pulpits or performance or paychecks. Most of our prophetic most of our prophetic words are about fathers and mothers. Most of the prophetic words spoken over me have been about being a father to sons and to daughters. Most of the prophetic words spoken over me have been about restoring and demonstrating kingdom relationships. 
And for me, the greatest challenge in my life is this is where I've experienced my greatest hurts. My greatest betrayals, my greatest hurts haven't come through the unsaved or business or any of those things. It has come through the church by men and women who I thought were spiritual fathers or mothers or brothers or sisters. And I really do believe because there's a mandate on my life in this community to bring authentic, true, honest relationships in every single facet of our lives. Our cornerstone is grace and identity through relationships. Relationship with Father God, relationship with one another, and relationship with ourselves. And even these three areas are challenging. We can spend a, a month of Sundays just going through this. But we have to have a relationship with Father God first and foremost. We have to have a relationship with others, but we have to have a good, godly relationship with ourselves. And that comes from understanding our identity through the grace of Jesus Christ himself. You cannot allow the failure of your past to determine the impact of your future. I think one of the greatest sins in inverted commas is a sin of comparison. Where you compare your future to your past. You don't believe you can because of what you did. So you don't believe that God can because of what you did. You don't believe you can because of what your parents did. You don't believe you can because the current situation or circumstances around you don't line up to that. And you don't even believe that God can because of what you've done or the things around you. But friends, we cannot allow our past to determine what God can or cannot release over our lives. What God desires to release over your life will not be determined by your past. You are a new creation, and God can do whatever he wants. So don't tell God what he can or cannot do. It's important that we know who we are and whose we are. So when God encourages you to go and pray for someone so that they can be healed, then don't come up with the excuse, oh God, if only you knew me, I couldn't do that. When God encourages you to build stronger relationships, when God, when there's a tug in your heart to go for a sozo or to find inner healing so that you can become all that you're called to be, don't tell God that it's not worth it, that it's not possible, or that it cannot be done. When God gives you a dream to reach into your community, to start vegetable gardens underneath the bridges in downtown Johannesburg, as people like Francois and Johanna Mark who believe that God can do these things. And so they step out in faith. And these are some of the things that have redefined us as a community over the past couple of weeks. But let's not be weird about it. I am motivated by authenticity. I don't want to be a spiritual father for the title. I want to be a spiritual father for the treasure. We mustn't be caught up in the position of our calling, but we must be caught up and consumed with assignment 
of our calling. As for all of us, our assignments are to be fathers and mothers. Our assignments are to be sons and daughters, and our assignments are to be friends. But let's start off by, by understanding each and every one of us has the assignment to be a friend to those around us. And in the stewardship and taking personal responsibility for the assignment of friendship, we earn the trust and the right and the privilege of becoming a spiritual father or spiritual son to someone. Or we can recognize the assignment and the call on God's side. So don't choose a father because of the title, but choose a father because their assignments is to be that. It'll be weird if your assignment is to be a friend and you think it's to be a father. And I know, and Alison has mentioned this a, a couple of times, we have really wrestled with finding authentic, long-lasting relationships with men and women who are called to be fathers and mothers. And some of the most amazing fathers that I have in my life are people that are younger than me. Most of the father figures and mother figures in my life are people that are different to me. And I celebrate that because that allows them to bring a new facet and dimension to the person that God has called them to be. But it's to recognize our assignment. And so I want to close with a statement, and I trust that you'll meditate on it and find an opportunity to, as you meditate and chew on this, ask Holy Spirit, how do I take personal responsibility for this? Because the health and the inheritance of your assignment comes from knowing, understanding, and taking personal responsibility to create the culture and the environment for your assignment to grow. As one of the many amazing spiritual fathers in our community, in our house, in our city, and in our nation, Holy Spirit, won't you show me how to take personal responsibility to create a culture wherever I go, that there is a culture and an environment for your assignment over my life to be a spiritual father and raise up spiritual sons and daughters and allow them to flourish and grow in your gorgeous and most amazing name. Amen. Thank you for listening. 